Welcome to the sermon podcast from North Decatur United Methodist Church, where all are welcomed and included, connected with God and with one another, and sent out in service and invitation to the world. Each week we bring you the most recent sermon from me, Patrick Fallhaber, or from guest preachers. Thank you for listening and subscribing. Hey folks, if we haven't met before, my name is Patrick, and I'm so grateful to be a part of this service with you. Uh, Happy Easter. Today is a beautiful day of celebration, and often uh, we would be in the sanctuary, gathered together alongside friends and family and strangers alike. Uh, But today, we continue to gather in this virtual way, which means that I can again bring you to one of my favorite places here at the Clyde Shepherd Nature Preserve. I'm standing right by what's usually a creek, and with the rains this week, it's sort of turned into a, a stream. Um, But I love this spot because it's a perfect example of what new life can mean. Where I'm standing, I can see so many logs and trees that have fallen across the, the river and died because of storms or just the normal decay of life and you can see branches that have been swept up along the side of the river the the creek bed itself there's all these signs of death and then in the midst of all of those signs of death there's also branches and vines springing forth new life even having just seen water rush over atop of them these little buds of new life are continuing to push forth with new fresh green growth it's the rhythm of life that has existed on this planet since it first began and as christians we talk about that as a fundamental aspect of who god is a creating god who establishes all things in orders that they might thrive alongside one another. That is the, the origin story of origin stories. All of life was created in this place in order to thrive. Our world is filled with abundance and beauty and sacredness every single place. And if there's anything that has created pieces of brokenness within that. It's our constant need to edit that reality and create sacred places for myself apart from places that are sacred for others. And then getting into competition over which sacred spaces are best. And then when we start getting into competition about which sacred spaces are best, we start deciding who belongs and who doesn't. And we start building up nations against one another because we think we have it right and we know that they have it wrong. And it's this fundamental uh, brokenness within our society. And it is really just about this ego human need to know right over someone else to live in competition within a world that god created with unity in mind it's amazing really if you think about it if you zoom way 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 out if we were all able to go to the international space station there would be no difference we would just see the earth as it exists with life flourishing in some ways in some places and flourishing in other places and other ways and if you zoom far enough out you wouldn't see the the competition and the disunity within it 
And then if you were to zoom way close in and look only at the atoms that make up all things, again, you would find it nearly impossible to create those lines of distinction. But when you're in that middle place, as we stand today, it is really difficult to think of any of our experiences as being unitive, as being sacred in a collective kind of way. Because we live in isolation, sometimes intentional isolation from one another. And we live in competition with one another. All right, so in the beginning of time, God created everything that exists and gave to humanity uh, a set of expectations. And those expectations were really simple, to help the rest of creation thrive, to tend to the land, to be good stewards, to care for one another, and to love earnestly. And it really was that simple. You know, one might say it really was mimicking uh, the greatest law that Jesus gave, right? The, the greatest law that Jesus recites when challenged by religious authority to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. It really is fundamentally that simple. It was that simple in the beginning of the creation story, and we see it that simple again when Jesus speaks to religious folks, to political folks, to everyday folks. It is that simple. Love God with all you have and love one another with all you have. And that really sums up what it means to be this perfect sense of human, to embody the presence of Christ in the world. Now, the Easter story is a complicated story for a lot of reasons, because the Easter story isn't just about resurrection. The resurrection is what we celebrate today, and we'll get to that. But the Easter story also has to include all of the moments that led to the resurrection itself. The Easter story has to include the incarnation story, the Christmas story that we tell in the end of December, the, the story of Jesus's birth to two regular folks who were obligated to go to a census, right? They not only were obligated to go to a census, they gave birth in a foreign town, and then immediately after giving birth, they were forced to flee into exile into a neighboring nation just because of the potential conflict, the very real conflict that would come because of a person in power not wanting to acknowledge the work that God was doing through his own religious home and heritage, right? So that's the, 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 the origin story for Jesus is his birth into a fundamentally chaotic and contentious atmosphere where religious folks really didn't want anything to have to do with what God's heart and mind was really about. So much so that the leader, the king over the land of those Hebrew folks killed all of the children in Jesus's age range in his hometown. We learn that story. His family goes into exile when they return. Jesus has a uh, childhood that we don't hear much about aside from him really developing and his religious wisdom and his spiritual wisdom and his 
experience as the son of a carpenter, all of those things we have some idea of, but we really get to know Jesus again when he uh, gets to his late 20s, early 30s, probably early 30s, and we see him begin his work. And the very first thing he does is he goes to John the Baptist, who is like a new Elijah, a person proclaiming this incoming kingdom of God, right? This, this dwelling place where all of the first commands to steward and care for one another are upheld, and there isn't a person who goes without. But the, the warning side of that is anybody who would rather they live exalted over someone else will be cast out of it, not because God is casting them out, but because those of us who would choose to isolate ourselves away for fear of what someone else might take will find that we are just not in the kingdom of God. So. John the Baptist is preaching this message, uh, and it's really a reformation message for his religious community, and he's going out into the field and talking about how God is going to change everything, right every wrong, clear a straight path, and help all of us walk along our way into this garden once again. And so Jesus comes to John and is baptized, and when he's baptized, we see that God the, the, the Father, God the Creator, blesses Jesus, and then the Spirit descends into Jesus, and Jesus the Christ emerges from that place into a wilderness, much like the Hebrew people, right, his own people, experienced after escape from slavery into the wilderness. And he experiences temptations, each of those temptations about gaining power for himself, gaining wealth for himself and taking on the role of God for himself. And Jesus turns each and every one of those things away and instead leaves that wilderness journey to begin a ministry of teaching and healing for the sole purpose of confronting those of us who hold any power or privilege in society and uplifting all of those who have been pushed to the margins of society. He does that in real ways by healing those people who have been pushed to the actual margins of society. He heals them from the ailments that have made them unclean and reintroduces them to the community. He casts out demons among folks who uh, had been confined nude to the cemetery and reintroduces them back into the center of their community. He challenges those in political and religious authority to think about this kingdom of God as more unitive, more expansive, more grace-filled, and more loving than they had ever experienced it before, and he challenges them to understand that the central idea of what it means to be faithful, what it means to be pursuing the presence of God, is simply to love God with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love each and every one of our neighbors as we, at least as much as we love ourselves. And it's that message that shifts the very bed of society, that shifts all of the norms of culture that would keep us 
isolated from one another and alienated from one another in competition with one another. All of the things that allow the rich to continue amassing wealth in unjust ways and forces all of those without funds to scrounge for the next bills to be paid. All of that injustice that exists within society, Jesus is challenging every bit of it. And it's that message that message of grace and love to those people who have never experienced it before and that message of challenge that starts to push Jesus towards this experience of Holy Week that we've had over the last week. It starts to culminate on Palm Sunday when Jesus gathers a merry band of outcasts and misfits who walk with him into the city center of Jerusalem as he sits on top of a donkey. It's the wildest thing. But he comes in and then we see in Mark's gospel immediately after that he turns over the tables in the temple because of their consistent injustice to immigrants and to women and to lepers especially. And then we see the religious leaders begin a plot to have Jesus arrested and killed. And that is what Holy Week is all about. The religious and political powers coming against Jesus, forcing him into further confrontation with the political leadership of Rome and eventually pushing him up onto, onto the cross where he dies an agonizing death after being tortured, after being abandoned by his closest friends. It's a really difficult story, but it, so Easter isn't just a story about resurrection. It's about all those moments leading up to it. And really, it's about the consistent message of God. And more than anything, the resurrection is a message that promises to all of those who have experienced real harm at the hands of religious folks or religious institutions, that there is nothing that those powers can do that can diminish your worth in God's eyes. They could even kill the one bringing that message and your value would still be inherent because resurrection is real. And for those of us who hold power, it's a message that there is nothing we could do to diminish the word of God. There is nothing that we could do to diminish the call that God has placed on every one of our lives to be better, good, and faithful stewards of the resources that we have, to use what we have to the benefit of the community around us, rather than just for ourselves. No matter how much we might want to kill that message, to silence that message, to diminish that message, it cannot be diminished. It cannot be silenced. It cannot be killed because Easter Sunday always comes 
the one who taught us what it means to live faithfully, the one who taught us what it means to be righteous, the one, the, the Christ who embodies everything that God is into this world has challenged it all. And not only has God challenged the fundamental flaws of society, God cannot be silenced even when we would want to because resurrection is real. And even as I speak, the kingdom of God is emerging around us on a daily basis. We can see it in this forest where new life springs up even in the midst of death. We can see it. This is actually really cool. Um, I've been reading a lot about the ways that mushrooms and mycelium can sort of change whole forest habitats. Did you know that mycelium, which are like the roots of mushrooms, if they're, it's crazy, they can grow so broadly that if there's a part of a forest that doesn't have the nutrients that it needs and they sense that the forest is starting to die back, the mushrooms themselves, the mycelium, can pass nutrients from one part of a forest to another in order to sustain the growth of that part of the forest that had started to die. It's wild. Creation itself is caring for itself because that is fundamentally the way that God created all of us to interact with one another. Like, if one part of the forest is dying, it is uh, the other part of the forest's obligation to provide the nutrients that it needs. And that is true for humanity if it is true for a forest. If someone is hurt, it is our obligation to respond. If there's a fundamental message of what it means to be faithful in the kingdom of God, it is that if someone is hurting, it is our obligation to provide love and care because there is no one, no thing outside the scope of God's love. You are not outside of the scope of God's love. You are profoundly important. You are essential to the well-being of our community, to the well-being of our walk in faith, to the well-being of our church, to the well-being of society. You are essential for us to be able to thrive. You would not exist if it were not the case. I hope you can learn to trust that good news. And I hope that you can learn to live out of that good news in a way that bears life for you, in a way that bears life for your neighbors, and in a way that allows you to attune to the steady rhythm of God's love in your life and extending beyond it. That is what it means to celebrate Easter, attuning to the great rhythm of a forest and the great rhythm of this world and trust that there is no way to diminish anyone's worth in the eyes of God. Thanks be to God. Happy Easter to you. Thanks so much for listening to this week's sermon from North Decatur United Methodist Church. If you like this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. And if you want to learn more about our church, you can visit us at ndumc.org.